This is the reality. Hello again. Welcome to the reality. My name's Dudley Anderson. Really good to be with you. The reality half-hour talk show talking about real life as found in Jesus Christ. As always, I do appreciate emails very much indeed. As you listen up to today's program, please do consider dropping me an email, dudley at surereality.net. Jeff Letts grew up in Chicago in the USA in a Jewish family. He was orphaned at the age of seven and spent times in orphanages and foster homes. By the time he was 12 years of age, he ran away from home and lived on the streets in Chicago. Troubled and suicidal, alone and destitute, his life dramatically turned around one day at the age of 15 when he met Jesus as his Messiah in a hippie commune. I thought I was going there for Eastern religion and drugs, and when I got there, I walked in on my friends, and they were sitting in this little four-room farmhouse out in the middle of a cornfield. After uh, greeting me, they said, well, you want to join us? So I said, sure, and I sat down, and, and I said, well, what exactly are you doing? And they said, well, we're, uh, we're having a Bible study. I finally held my hand up and said, hey, guys, listen, I'm, I'm really glad that you guys have found this, this Jesus guy, but you know, if I'd be anything, I'd be Jewish. And I was curious, and one of the guys invited me to go to church. So that night, I ended up getting saved, literally, in, in like the blink of an eye, changed my life. Jeff had a couple of mentors that took him under their wings, and he began to study the Old and the New Testaments. God revealed some deep truths to Jeff, and by the time he was 31, he'd become a millionaire, using godly and practical principles in business. Jeff now runs a financial services and education company called Genestar. We begin our chat with Jeff today, asking him to tell us just a little bit about his childhood. Today's interview was recorded via Skype. I'm the youngest of three children, and as you mentioned, Dudley, I was raised in a Jewish family, and Unfortunately, my father had a mental breakdown that resulted a lot of it from financial stress, and he ended up taking his own life when I was five. My mother had a nervous breakdown, and she passed away a couple years later. And then uh, I was in and out of orphanages and foster homes from the age of seven until I was 13, at which time I, I tried to take my own life um, and was locked up in an institution for a few months, ran away and lived on the streets of Chicago from age 13 until I was 15 years old. My word. So you were actually suicidal? Was that uh, just uh, psychological or uh, were you into substance abuse or any other issues in life? You know, um, I had been in and out at that point in my life of five different homes, moved basically about every 18 months and was, you know, obviously a troubled youth and had gotten in some trouble. Um, and my foster father and I got into an argument and, you know, I just, I guess I I was just at the end of my rope as far as being kicked around from pillar to post. And I just said, you know, they were going to 
placed me in a Jewish boys' home, and I was like, hmm. you know, it just seems like I just can't get anything right. And I remember actually thinking maybe my father had the right idea, oh. taking his own life. Oh, right. That's really tragic. Uh, but then you ended up on the streets of uh, a great city like Chicago. Uh, what was mm. that like? Well, springtime and summertime were great until the winter hit. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so the, the first the first uh, six or seven months, I was living out on the streets in the spring and summer and, you know, stealing food out of the grocery store eating eating rubbish out of the out of the bin out of the back of a restaurant mm. and then the winter hit and that was tough yeah. um and i actually ended up uh, going back turned myself into the police and went back to the institution for a few months until spring came and then ran away again and met up with a bunch of hippies who were <laughs> drug dealers right and they took me in and i lived off and on with several hippies as well as living on the streets and did that for about a year um, before finally just crying out to God and saying, God, there's just, there's got to be a better way. And I was suicidal again at, mm. you know, almost 15 years old at that point and just said, if you're really real, if you're really the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, please help me get my life straightened up. Mm. Well, you obviously had a concept of God. Did you go to synagogue to shul uh, in your early years? Yeah, yes, but I have to be totally honest. I, I didn't really believe in God. I mean, why why would I? You know, all the bad things that had happened to me, my parents our relatives not taking us in, um, kicked around from pillar to post. And so in my heart, I, yeah, you know, I'd learned about God, but really in my heart, I, I didn't really believe that there was a God. And if there was, he sure was having fun picking on me. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so you called out to God. Uh, you didn't know Jesus as Messiah, as, uh, as the Christ at this point in your life. How did that eventually connect, uh, Jeff? How did you find Yeshua as Lord and Savior? Yeah, well, two weeks later, I, I hitchhiked down to see my friends. They, they had left Chicago, the hippies that had originally taken me in. <clears throat> and I, they had started a hippie commune about 400 miles away down in southern Illinois. So Chicago is in the state of Illinois at the very top. Um, and then they were they were in Carbondale, Illinois, a university town, and they started a commune down there. There was eight of them that started this hippie commune. So I hitchhiked to visit my friends. I had remembered that they were just as they were leaving Chicago a year earlier, were just getting into transcendental meditation and mm -hmm. Eastern religion. They were all Jewish. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, you know, go down to the hippie farm and spend a few months there and see uh, see how they're doing and, and see what life holds. And so when you went down there, did you get into uh, Eastern philosophies and religions? Well, that's what I thought. I, was, I thought I was going there for Eastern religion and drugs. And when I got there, I walked in on my friends and they were sitting in this little four-room farmhouse out in the middle of a cornfield. And I walked in on them and they were sitting in a circle eating some popcorn, reading some books and so much for the cocaine <laughs> yeah, after, after, uh, um, greeting me, they said, well, you want to join us? So I said, sure. And I sat down and 
grabbed a handful of popcorn and and they and I said, "What exactly are you doing?" And they said, "Well, we're uh, we're having a Bible study." Wow. <laughs> Which uh, I almost expect, choked on my popcorn. You didn't expect that, and, no. <laughs> you know, I thought either I'm on candid camera or these guys have been on some really heavy drugs. <laughs> And so they got into the Bible study, and that's where, I don't know, perhaps uh, the Lord started speaking into your, into your heart? Well, you know, as, as they started talking to me for, I guess, you know, probably 10 minutes, I finally held my hand up and said, hey, guys, listen, I'm, I'm really glad that you guys have found this, this Jesus guy, but, you know, if I'd be anything, I'd be Jewish. And they said, well, Jeff, we're Jewish, hmm. at which they, they, they had all been raised Jewish. And I said, well, that's great, but, you know, I mean, don't don't all Christians kind of hate Jews? I mean, you know, I'm not a great historian, but boy, all the things that have been done against Jewish people, the Holocaust and other things. And they said, well, Jeff, you know, Jesus is Jewish. And I said, really? I, I thought he was a Catholic. I didn't know he was Jewish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they, they began to share with me about, about Yeshua and the fact that, that the Messiah, as well as the disciples, were all Jewish in the early church. And and I was curious, and one of the guys invited me to go to church, and uh, he took me to church, and that night uh, had been, you know, just wasn't what I was expecting. It was actually, it was a Pentecostal church. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll get a kick out of this, Dudley, as we're driving there. He said, now, this is a little different church. This is a Pentecostal church. <laughs> I said, well, I don't care how much it costs. I don't have any money with me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so that night I ended up getting saved. Wow. And it just, I mean, literally in, in like the blink of an eye, changed my life. Praise God. Uh, and uh, just reading up a little bit about you and Jeff, you said that uh, you had some mentors that took you under their wings. And you studied the Old Testament. How did they help you? Well, you know, the first of all, the, the guy that ended up taking me in was actually one of the young Jewish hippie guys. I was 15. He was 21. So he was more like a big brother. But the pastor of the church who who loved Israel, loved the scriptures. And as he began to to really open the scriptures up to me, and I really began to understand God's plan for the Jewish people, as well as for every person, every human being, hmm. um, I just I just fell in love with Jesus. I fell in love with the Bible, and I just fell in love with God's plan for my life. And began to realize that I, I heard this once, Dudley. It says the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. Hmm. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Hmm. I like that. Hmm. And, and when you really put the two together, they really do complement each other. And obviously, the Old Testament is what Jesus and Paul and all the early church taught out of. There wasn't a New Testament. They were they were the ones making history mm. and making the New Testament at that point. But yeah, I just I really be, I just really began to fall in love uh, with uh, you know what I would have known as a kid, you know, as, as the Torah mm. and. Uh, and you know what what people would would you know refer to as the Old Testament, as well as the New Testament. I felt I just fell in love with God's word, and began to realize that God had a plan for my life, and it was for good, not for not for evil. Mm-hmm. Praise God. So, 
you know, in, in your opinion, how important is it to to have a mentor in, in one's life? You know, um, I believe it was Solomon who said in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And uh, my pastor and school teachers and my foster my foster father and you know it's uh i i remember one of my foster parents tell me saying jeff you know the people that you hang out with are the people you're going to become like Mm -hmm. and i i I didn't listen to that unfortunately as a youngster because i i thought i knew better but as as i got saved i began to realize the importance of having a mentor in my life and so both in business as well as spiritually, I've, I've always sought out counselors, you know, find an expert and do what they tell you, because that's why they're an expert. Mm-hmm. Well, from the streets uh, of, as a child, from the streets of Chicago, living on the streets of Chicago, by the age of 31, you'd become a millionaire. Amazing. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a little break, uh, Jeff. And after this, I want to find out more. The Reality is produced in partnership with Good News Broadcasting Association. To listen to this program again, please visit the website gnba.net. For more information about GNBA and other radio programs that we produce, please send an email to info at gnba.net. Email us info at gnba.net. If you've just tuned in, thank you so much. My name's Dudley Anderson. You're listening to The Reality. It's a half-hour talk show talking about the reality of real life as found in Jesus Christ. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality Media. Find out more about our programming at surereality.net. And if you can, I'd really appreciate an email, dudley at surereality.net. What an amazing story today on the reality of Jeff Letts, who grew up in a Jewish home and was orphaned after his father had committed suicide and his mother died a little while later. Jeff was taken into orphanages and foster homes, but he ran away at the age of 12 and lived on the streets in Chicago. Life was tough for this young man, but he eventually ended up part of a hippie commune in his early teens. Thankfully, his new friends, who were also Jewish, came to know Jesus as Messiah and Saviour. Surprised by their change of lifestyle, Jeff found himself attending a church with them. Here he heard the message of new life and the hope of God's blessings, and he surrendered his heart to Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ. Life had a brand new outlook for Jeff, whose eyes were now opened to the promises of God. He was soon to enter into business, and he became a millionaire by the age of 31. Let's continue talking to Jeff Letts today on Skype and ask him to tell us a little bit more about how he became so successful. You know, I think, Dudley, one of the one of the first things that, that changed in my life, and I loved my pastor, but unfortunately the, the church that I got saved in really did believe that the poorer you were, the closer you were to God. And I remember as a young man, the pastor preaching about the evils of money and filthy lucre. And then at the end of the service, he wanted to receive an offering. And I remember in my head kind of going, this this doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, at that point, I didn't have any money anyhow. And I went to the pastor, and we really, we, we began to study together. And I said to him, I said, listen, I said, I've got a heart. You know, if it's God's will for me to be poor, 
I don't really like that idea. I don't know anybody that wants to be poor, but I'm really motivated to go into business so that I can help others. And, and I'm really motivated to go make money, not just so I can have a big house and a big car, nothing wrong in that. And so I, I said, but, you know, if, if you're wanting to go get other campuses and do other things, it just makes sense. I mean, I'm, as I began to really get into God's word and study things from a Jewish perspective, and I began to ask some tough questions of the pastor, not in a rebellious way, but why is it, pastor, that, that Jewish people prosper disproportionately to other people? Why is it that it seems like so many Christians are so broke and so poor? Mm-hmm. And as we really began to study God's word, I believe that one of the revelations I got was the enemy would love to keep people broke. You know, I oftentimes ask people, how many of you would like to help poor people? And everybody raises their hand. I said, well, the first thing you have to do is don't be one of them. Because mm-hmm. if you're poor, how can you help someone else? Uh, you know, I'm talking about financially. And so as I began to study that, I began to get this in my spirit that God really did want to bless me so that I could be a blessing to others. Uh, I got into financial services, started doing well, became a real student of the business, had some wonderful mentors. And then at 24 years old, is when my life really got changed. I went to a seminar on financial education. A guy recruited me in the business, helped me to build my own agency within his company. It was in the U.S. It's now called Primerica. And uh, literally at age 24, I was broke. And by the way, I was a tither. Mm -hmm. I knew what to do with the 10%, the other 90%. When it came to stewardship, I was horrible. All right. And I began to understand that God's word in no place in the Bible does it say that God wants us to be poor. Mm-hmm. No place in the Bible does it say that if you obey my commandments, I'll pour poverty out on you. Now, I'm not saying that there are poor people because I used to be poor, but I didn't have to stay poor. And what I began to realize is, is that God wanted to use me as a vessel, as a vehicle to get money through it's easy for God to get money to you. The question is, can God get money through you? Mm-hmm. That is really a choice that an individual has to make. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just I, I believe what I did is I tapped into ancient Jewish wisdom, and I began to really understand that God God wants to bless every single person. doesn't mean that everybody's going to become a millionaire, but God wants to bless every single person where that you're not worried on a daily basis about your bills and you know that type of thing, um, and I and and I just began to really I, I worked hard I practiced it uh, practiced you know what I was taught became a real student found some great mentors, and I think maybe what's what's the most exciting thing Dudley is I've been in business now uh, for forty years and have led. I've lost count, but have led well over 5,000 people to the Lord through our business. Praise God. Money is always an issue, isn't it? Especially in the church. Uh, You know, there are many scriptures that uh, can be, let's say, misread or misquoted. Uh, James talks about uh, money and he says, uh, 
you know, rich should weep and howl and miseries are coming upon you. Uh, your riches have rotted and your garments are moss-eaten. Uh, but then he goes on to say that uh, probably the reason for this is because those who were rich in their time were withholding, and this is, I think, what you're trying to say, they were withholding their riches to themselves and uh, they were defrauding people and they uh, were uh, abusing their laborers. And I think that is, is really the essence of, of, of what that scripture is, is trying to point out. And scripture does say the love of money is the root of all evil. I'm sure you've heard that quoted dozens of times in, in your life. Money itself isn't the root of all evil, and yet it's still misconstrued in the church. Uh, and, and I think this is what you, you're trying to uh, get across to us. Absolutely, Dudley. And, you know, I think it's also interesting. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say you have to have it to love it. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I got to tell you, before I became a millionaire, I used to think about money all the time because I didn't have any. Kind of like a hungry man. You know, that's when you're thinking about it is when you're hungry. And and once we started accumulating some wealth and, you know, and and, and lived conservatively, too. That's, a, that's another real key is live below your means. Sure. You know, I, I want to be a good steward over my money. But anything that we exalt above God becomes idol worship. And money just just happens to be the easiest thing to exalt above God. Indeed. Uh, and, and greed, they often say that the more you have, the more you want. Did you find that in your life? To, to be totally honest, I mean, listen, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well financially now, but I got to tell you what motivates me is giving to the kingdom and, and giving to my church and, and, you know, being a vessel of, of, yeah, just being able to give. It mm-hmm. uh, doesn't mean that I'm not smart with my money, that I don't save, I don't invest, I mean, because I do. But what really motivates me is, you know, how much how much money can I make so that I can become a great giver and support causes that God really puts in my heart? Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus said uh, that we shouldn't let, let our left hand know what the right hand is doing. And again, talking to the, the rich of his society who are giving to get recognition, uh, yeah. giving in order to receive. Uh, you know, there's a lot of teaching that goes around that says, um, give and God will bless you. I believe we don't give in order to receive from the Lord. How do you how do you feel about that? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not I'm not one of these, um, you know, I, I, I know people have, have said, you know, Jeff, are you a prosperity preacher? I said, well, I'm, I'm certainly not a poverty preacher, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not one of these people that believes that you should give to get. You know, Jesus said, give, and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But I believe that part of the key is that you don't give to get. You give because he first gave to us. Mm. I, I don't tithe because I'm afraid that God's going to get me. I, 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 don't, I don't have to tithe. I get to tithe. Mm. What is tithing, Jeff? Well, the, the word tithe actually in Hebrew, um, you know, a- actually means a tenth. And and so, you know, of course, this could get into a long discussion. Uh, I actually wrote a book on this uh, called True Riches. Basically, the tithe is 10 percent of our increase. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've, I've been a tither ever since I was 16 years old. I was taught tithing. I believe in tithing. And, you know, it takes zero faith to not tithe. Hmm. 
-hmm. It takes faith to say, God, I I can't figure out how 90% goes further than 100%, but I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to tithe. Mm -hmm. And so I've been a tither ever since I was 16 years old. I believe in tithing. I don't believe it's an Old Testament principle. In fact, Dudley, uh, to all of your listeners, if they can send you one scripture that says we no longer need to tithe or God wants us to be poor, I'll send them a thousand pounds. <laughs> now, the problem is if they find a scripture that says God wants them to be poor, I can't give it to them because God wants them to be, to be poor. And I wouldn't want them to, you know, to sacrifice you know, their, their poverty for, you know, for that. Indeed. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. So, so getting back to tithing, um, what about the, the poor individual who really doesn't have much money, perhaps living on a benefit scheme from the local government or uh, just doesn't have an income? How can he or she tithe? You know, Dudley, I want to kind of roll the clock back to when I was 16. I was making $30 a week. And I remember coming to church and thinking, you know, what what's my $3 worth? And a lot of the young people kind of poking fun at me, you know, yeah, what's your three dollars gonna, you know, pay the electric bill? Hmm. But but I you know, there's a principle in God's word, and here's the principle. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've done well with a little, and when you do well with a little, he said, I'll give you much. And before God could ever trust me with three hundred, he had to trust me with thirty. And before he could ever trust me with 3,000, he had to trust me with 300. And, you know, the number is kind of irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And so so I, I, I paid tithe even when I was making peanuts because I realized that it was a principle. Mm. And it's the heart. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And so you rightly said it's not about the numbers. It's about the attitude of heart. I mean, at the end of the day, Jeff, let's be honest, God doesn't need money. <laughs> we need the money in order to propagate the gospel and in order to live here on earth. God doesn't need the money, but he needs our heart attitude. Absolutely. And so to, to give with the right attitude, and again, it comes down to, to that attitude, uh, giving 10 pence out of a pound uh, is, is for the glory of God, and the attitude needs to be right. Absolutely, yeah. And, and really, tithing, you're absolutely right, Dudley. Tithing's not about money. It's about, it's about the heart condition. Mm. And where do I really place God um, as far as my trust is concerned? And I got to tell you, one of the reasons why that I, that I tithe is because it, the, the word, by the way, the word tithe also in Hebrew means the word test. All right. And every time you get a paycheck, every time you get increase, it's a test. Oh. A test is, can you really put God first in your life? Can you really say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm not trusting in myself. And so every time that, that, that we get an increase, I believe that God does look at the condition of our heart. And as he sees that he can trust us with more, then God gives us more increase. Absolutely right. In fact, it's interesting that you use the word test because uh, in Malachi, the famous scripture on tithing, uh, it says uh, that, um, you know, the people of God were withholding their tithes. And then the Lord says, test me and see. I've, I often find that God uses puns and, and these puns are, are probably uh, Hebraic, the Hebrew mm-hmm. words. And, and I find that very interesting. That's a, a bit of an enlightenment for, for me. Thank you. God's using the word test and tithe in the same context here as a pun. Amazing. 
Well, Jeff, let's, it's been wonderful talking to you today about your life and experience and how God has used you uh, in business and in supporting his work around the world. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Reality. Thank you, Dudley. It's been an honor. What a privilege it was to speak to Jeff Letts today on The Reality. Let me remind you, if you'd like to make contact with me, I'd love to receive an email from you, Dudley, D-U-D-L-E-Y, at shorereality.net. You've been listening to The Reality with me, Dudley Anderson, produced by Shore Reality Media in partnership with Good News Broadcasting Association. Till next time, from me, take care.